This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Daniel Salerson here from Studio B at the Auctioner Sports Performance Center off of Tom Benson Way. And man, what a weekend it was for the Saints and the Pelicans. If you watch Friday's Facebook Live edition, I was patting ourselves on the back because Cindy, John DeShazer, and I, we talked about how the last weekend it was a sweep as the Pelicans beat the Cavs and then the Saints beat the Bears that we had an undefeated weekend as host of the Black and Blue Report. Then this Friday, when I talked about it, there was a potential for Pelicans wins on Friday and Saturday, and then the Saints win on Sunday. And guess what? All three of those happening, or did happen, I should say, as the Pelicans beat the Mavericks on Friday night, beat the Bulls on Saturday, and then the Saints roll over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30-10. to Wasn't much of a game for the Bucks, and uh, things got a little chippy there in the third quarter between Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. Didn't know why there was not an ejection there. That's just mean. We'll talk to John DeShazer about that and the whole process of potentially reviewing altercations. We'll get to that again in our second segment as John DeShazer will join us from NewOrleansSaints.com. And then we'll talk about those Pelicans who are now 5-5 five and five on the season, 2-0 on the road trip, 4-2 and two overall on the road. Jim Eikenhofer will join me in our last segment to talk about the Pelicans. They get ready to take on the Indiana Pacers on Tuesday. They travel today to Indiana. They'll practice in Chicago first then travel to Indiana, and then take on the Pacers tomorrow night at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Let's talk about that Saints team who's won six straight games now. They're the third team in the Super Bowl era to win six straight games after following an 0-2 start. The other two teams, the 93 Cowboys and the 2000 Giants, 2007 Giants. What do those two teams have in common? Oh, yeah, they both won the Super Bowl that year as well. Sean Payton grabs his 100th regular season win. Congratulations to him. And then you had another non-offensive touchdown. This one from Justin Hardy. Really great blocked punt and then recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. That's the fourth non-offensive touchdown of the season. The Saints scored just three total non-offensive touchdowns from 2013 to, to 2016. So obviously the Saints doing things not just on the offensive side, but the defensive side as well. And during that six-game winning streak now, they've scored more than 30 points a game and allowed just 15 points per game. The turnover margin wasn't great yesterday, but still a plus-three turnover differential during the six-game winning streak. And yesterday, Saints allowed just 88 yards in the first half. Jameis Winston didn't finish the game. It was 7 of 13 for 67 yards. Fitzpatrick wasn't any better. 8 of 15 for 68 yards. Drew Brees, two touchdowns, 263 yards. And how about Alvin Kamara? Continues to shine. The rookie out of Tennessee, 10 carries. 68 yards, one touchdown. Mike Triplett just tweeted uh, the Saints, uh, Alvin Kamara leading all rushers in yards per carry at six for qualified backs. And also Alvin Kamara led the way receiving six receptions, 84 yards, the longest one, that 33-yard touchdown. What a game for Alvin Kamara. Uh, clearly uh, a potential rookie of the year candidate. You could have two rookie of the years. For the Saints, offensively, it could be Alvin Kamara. And then defensively, Marshawn Lattimore has to be up there on the defensive side. So an overall great game for the Saints. And, of course, we'll recap that with John DeShazer in our next segment. But first, I do want to play Drew Brees' postgame press conference from yesterday. Again, Brees, 22 of 27, 263 yards. Here's what number nine had to say following their sixth straight win. 
Yeah, I, I think so. Um, by no means was it perfect out there. You know, I felt like we, we had some opportunities for more points. Um, you know, we had the turnover down there that, that would have gotten us at least three points. Um, you know, we missed a field goal. I had a chance to hit Ted for a big play that would have lit things up there in the first quarter. Um, but, um, you know, we're striving for that for that, uh, that perfect game or, or just that game where it all comes together. Um, we did a lot of things well today. I think we it was like 4.7 yards of carry, something like that. So good, good rushing average. We were able to make some big plays in the passing game. Um, uh, the screen game uh, had, had a couple big plays as well. Um, you know, that two-minute drive at the end of the half was, was big. Um, and then defense played, played great, got us a, a, a turnover that we turned into seven points. So whenever you can do that, that you're going to win a lot of football games now. You know, we, we basically gave them a touchdown with a special teams turnover. I guess we traded them, right? We block a punt for a touchdown, and then you know, we drop a punt that they end up turning into seven. So um, probably all equaled out at the end. Um, but all in all, it was just a good, good win. How confident have you got in Alvin right now? Yeah. Listen, Alvin's doing a lot of good things. He's very versatile. Um, you know, he... He could he can be in the game at any moment, you know, in any personnel group, and uh, we feel comfortable with his skill set um, as we do with Mark, you know. But it's a great one-two punch. What did happen You know, there's a, there's some variability with with um, the angle, you know, just depending on how they play it. And I just left the ball too far outside as opposed to just kind of putting it down the middle of the field and allowing him to get his head around and and track the ball. So that one's on me. Yeah, yeah, and it was a very, very similar type route to what we had missed earlier. So, um, made the adjustment, and the result was good. Yeah, I mean, we, we we feel the energy, feel the momentum. Um, obviously, those you know, third downs when our fans on defense, and we got the whole noise meter going, you know, and fans are. We're getting crazy and we're getting off the field. Offense getting the ball going down, getting points. I mean, a lot of good things happening. After a couple of things missed in that first half, it seemed like everything came together on that scoring drive uh, late in the first half. Yeah, yeah, we uh, were able to, you know, kind of the scramble play to Kobe, you know, and then the screen play to Kamara. I mean, those two huge plays that, that get us the touchdown. And then to come out, you know, first drive of the second half, touchdown. Defense gets a turnover, touchdown. I mean, that just that blows the whole thing wide open. So. You know, you're just able to grab momentum and, and run with it. What would you like to be just sitting at 6-2 halfway through the, through the season and a win over a team that, you know, in a division? Yeah. Well, divisional wins are great. Um, obviously, those, those, uh, those are very important. But um, I, mean, I think each, each week, it's, you know, we really just try to look at it as, you know, it's a faceless opponent. It's, you know, we're still striving to play, striving to play our best game. Um, and I don't think we've achieved that yet. We're continuing to make strides in the right direction. But um, there's still a lot of things that we can do better. The road only gets tougher. You know, we go on the road to Buffalo this week. They're a, a very good football team. It's playing really well on both sides of the ball. So we've got our work cut out for us. Is this the first time you've played a like that? Yeah, um, just uh, compression deal. You know, I mean, I'll do that on my legs at times and that kind of thing. Just, just it's a comfort thing. Not, not an injury and so after three straight home wins, the, the Saints, I'm going to get these two mixed up. The Saints are back on the road. They'll take on the Buffalo Bills, a team that 
lost to the Jets on Thursday Night Football. Bills are 5-3, but always tough playing there in Buffalo. Should be a good one, and we'll begin that preview on Wednesday's show. But right now, let's continue to enjoy the Saints win over the Bucks, and we'll talk more about it next with NewOrleansSaints.com senior writer, John DeShazer. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. This Pelican season, the entire family can do it big with the Pierre's Party Pack, presented by Cheetos Popcorn. Pelican ticket packages are available for select home games and include three or more tickets, combo meals, Cheetos Popcorn, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $54. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is November 11th against the Los Angeles Clippers. For more information and to plan your next big night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing touchdown Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. All right, let's continue to talk about this Saints win over the Bucks, 30 to 10 yesterday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And as promised, joining me now is John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. And JD, I talked about this in our first segment. I remember on Friday's Black and Blue Report, the Facebook Live, I was bragging a little bit about how lucky that you, uh, Cindy, and I were. As far as hosting the Friday show and then the Saints and Pelicans going on the win. And one, you started raining on that parade saying that the Monday game against Orlando counted, which does not because that's not on the weekend. But this weekend, true. what happened? Another sweep. Another so sweep. you know what? I won't I won't say anything else about anything <laughs> that happens on Monday. Mondays have nothing to do with the weekend. You are so correct. Uh, so, yeah, another weekend sweep by both teams. Uh, man, really, really. The, the, the I was impressed with the Pelicans going on the road. You know, a back-to-back win on the road. And I know it was against Dallas and Chicago. I don't care. You know what? Winning on the road in the right. NBA is hard. And uh, and the Saints to come home and essentially, I think the athletes call it sunning, uh, <laughs> to basically sun Tampa Bay. Uh, really, I mean, it, it was impressive to watch. It, despite because the Saints made a ton of mistakes in that game, especially on special teams. Oh my goodness! And still were able to dominate a division opponent. So that was really impressive. You talked about a lot of things that were positive about the Saints for in yesterday's game against the Bucks. You mentioned special teams. There was one good special teams play, though, and that was Justin Hardy's play. Blocked in himself, ran to the end zone, and you mentioned it. You tweeted it yesterday. Fourth non-offensive touchdown this year. They only had three from 2013 to 16. So, as we've talked about before, J.D., they're finding other ways to score and other ways to win. Well, we're seeing, you know, for the – Past three seasons when the Saints were seven and nine, you know, we all sat around and we said, boy, if the Saints could just put a decent defense on the field or, you know, and then the games where they had a decent defense and a little bit of offense, then they, you know, get a, a, a PAT blocked or a field goal blocked. And we said, man, if the Saints could just get a get a decent special team and, and, and defense together, man, what, what, what could this team do? Well, despite the mistakes you mentioned, Justin Hardy, uh, defensively, the Saints have been lighting it up. Um, I think, I think, as of yesterday, in the la- and during the six-game winning streak, they're allowing about 12.7 points a game on defense. Now that's not including 
the special teams TD and defensive TD mm-hmm. they gave up against Detroit, but 12.7 points a game. So this is the epitome of complimentary football for the Saints. They got to clean up those special teams. That At some point, if they play that way on special teams, it's going to cost them a game. I don't know when, I don't know where, but they've got to be more efficient because they, they're failing in basic stuff. I mean, got a PAT block yesterday, uh, two muffed punts. Um, um, uh, you know, a, a, missed, yeah, a missed <laughs> field goal and a chameleon play, which was just, atro- it turned out to be atrocious. Mm-hmm. So if they clean up that and just be, you know, just bat average on that one, just, you know, just be level, they'll be, they'll be fantastic, I think. But, but yeah, this is complimentary football at at its finest. I think it's safe to say that if you're looking through midway part of the season right now, you could have the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. The way Alvin Kamara is playing, I know there's some other rookies out there. Kareem Hunt for Kansas City sticks out. But on the defensive side, Marshawn Lattimore, Lattimore has been as good as any other defensive rookie I've seen. Oh, he's been he's been fantastic. I mean, I you know, you look at it and you say, this is exactly why people were projecting him to be a top five pick. How he slipped to 11, who knows. Uh, when he slipped to 11, the Saints probably did backflips all over the war room. You know, glad that he fell there because this was a team in need of a cornerback. And and we're seeing what a top-notch cornerback can mean to a defense. Now, you know, he can do some things where you can just pretty much put him over there and say, okay, you cover this guy. And now with these other 10 guys, we can do some different things. Um, And being able to cover better on the back end means that Cam Jordan and Alex Okafor and those guys up front – have more time to be able to get the quarterbacks. And Cam Jordan, seven sacks now. Alex Okafor, I think, is at three and a half. But he's been extremely disruptive, especially the last three games or so. So we're seeing a lot of things that I think are playing off of Marshawn Lattimore. If he's not defensive rookie of the year, I don't know who would be. I don't know. I can't name it. And that's for sure. And then Kamara on the other side, again, leading uh, the team in receiving yards yesterday, had that touchdown for 33 yards, also had a running touchdown. He's second on the team in both rushing and and receiving, and you talk about doing back backflips when getting Lattimore. I don't know what they were doing when they got Kamara in the third round. Yeah, they they wanted him. They and I mean, I, now I don't know how bad they wanted him. I think they, but obviously they felt like he could fill a role for him. They you know they felt like he could be the Sproles slash Reggie Bush of this edition of the Saints. And my goodness, he has been every bit of that so far. I mean, he's 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 slippery he's willing to run between the tackles i know he lost a fumble yesterday and it was a fantastic play by levante david linebacker from tampa bay to get it out but i mean he responds immediately on the next drive the saints go down and camara comes up with a 30 33 year old screen pass that he takes to the house where you know he basically keeps his balance down at the five you know puts one arm down stays up and scoots into the end zone i mean he's been he's been every bit as good as the saints could possibly have imagined he would be as a running back. J.D., you want to talk about what happened in the third quarter yesterday with Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore, and Jameis Winston? I don't know what it was about yesterday, but it seemed like the NFL and the MMA joined forces between A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey. He had three guys ejected in the San Francisco-Arizona game, and then a non-ejection in the Mike Evans situation. From, from your standpoint, what did you see, and can you even explain why there wasn't an ejection from Mike Evans? Well, I'll start at the end. No, I can't explain yeah. why there wasn't an ejection. That was a travesty of justice, if ever there was one. I mean, if you don't if you don't eject a guy for what Mike Evans did, I'm with 
Coach Payton, when are you ever going to eject a guy? Um, what happened simply was was Marshawn Lattimore shut down Mike Evans, and it got under Mike Evans' skin. <laughs> and that's all it was. And for Jameis Winston to be right. out of the game because of injury and to instigate this whole incident because Marshawn Lattimore, if one will notice, is walking away when Jameis Winston puts his hand in the back of, you know, puts his finger at the back of his helmet and shoves him. So Marshawn Lattimore is walking away. I don't know what happened prior to that, but Marshawn Lattimore is going away when Jameis Winston instigates this. And Marshawn Lattimore, being a competitor in any grown man, right. turns around and says, hey, man, get your hands off me, shoves him back. And then Mike Evans comes out of nowhere and just pummels him. You know, I, I don't know how the officials miss that. I don't know how – they don't look at it and review it and correct it immediately because I would imagine in those situations you can look at it and review it and, and figure figure things out. Um, so that was just a huge miss, and I would hope that it would be rectified by the league office, you know, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Uh, one, I think it looked like Mike Evans was throwing a punch when after he shoved him down low. So I oh, yeah. think they missed jumped, that too. Yeah, jumped on top of him. And I mean, just – you know, how, how you can miss that whole series of things. And that's, right. again, that's one of those things where it's got to be reviewable. I mean, you can look at that and say, okay, do we have an ejectable, an ejectable offense here? You know, we can, you can look at that and clean it up immediately as opposed to giving Mike, they gave Mike Evans a 15 yard personal foul, right? 15 yards. Now, if that's going to be, if that's going to be the penalty for that kind of act, if I'm the Saints, the if I'm the Saints in the future, you know, I just, you know, if somebody's getting the better of me, I have somebody standing on the sideline who's got nothing to do with the play, walk out and and, and shove him in the head yep. and, and and have him start a fight, and then somebody else run up behind him and bust him up because Marshawn Lattimore could have gotten a concussion out of that, he could have gotten a, a broken arm out of that, um, he could have gotten injured out of that more people could have gotten injured because yeah. everyone started coming and in now and now you you touch off a brawl because nobody's going to watch their teammate take that and just stand around and not do anything so the Saints Especially rightfully the yeah the Saints rightfully come to his defense because he's pinned over on the Bucks sideline and the Bucks are probably going to you know if if Jamin Winston and Mike Evans have already cheap shot him well what's going to keep the rest of them from cheap shotting him yep. and another thing coach Dirk Cutter and I'm usually not somebody to criticize coaches and that kind of thing but he's standing over there like Mr. Magoo. Yep. Like he's got no concept of anything that's happening that's right to his right-hand yeah. side, I think, and maybe five, ten yards from him. He said he didn't see it. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's one of those where I don't want to see it, right. so I'm not going to see it. And, I mean, you know, now and Coach Payton took a couple of jabs at him mm -hmm. after the game, and certainly um, if you saw that post-game handshake, did you see it? Yeah. Yeah, the, or, lack thereof. <laughs> yeah or lack thereof. Yeah, or lack thereof. Uh, so yeah, that was that was you know that was a sign to Dirt Cutter. Hey man, this you know this is some BS, and you lost control of your team. And uh, really, if, if the Bucks behave like that, then you can make a, a serious argument that that team is is listless and and lost, and the leadership is lacking for for them to for them to behave that way. I don't want to keep talking about it, but I think you brought up a good point about the re reviewing it. And I know Champagne said after the game that New York looked at that i don't know if they did there's there's no way that you don't eject them but i want to go back to the nba rule where any altercation is reviewable yes do you think after seeing this and also what happened with aj green and ramsey because i think ramsey probably shouldn't have gotten ejected aj green definitely should have but ramsey instigated it and he should have gotten the penalty, penalty. but no he should not have been 
he should not have been ejected. A.J. Green oh. did the whole Rear dirt. naked chokehold. <laughs> but do you think that should be something that now, maybe after the season, that they say, look, any altercation or anything? I know people talk about pace of play and all that, but no, no, no. in those situations, you have Absolutely. to go to the hood Absolutely. and look at that. Absolutely, because you got too many guys involved, and so you can have some periphery things happening that that – even a crew of officials can't possibly see. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, you need to have somebody say, okay, we need to review this and take the wide angle and let's get everybody who did something that they shouldn't have done. You know, let's, let's make sure we get the right, right perpetrators and let's make sure we get the right punishment handed down. Because there's no way. There's no, how in New York, how in the world do you look at that in New York right. and say, okay, 15-yard penalty, yeah, that's fine. See here. How, in the how in the world did you – there's no way in the world you can say that right. after what Mike Evans did. There's no way you can say that. Yeah. So I think that's something that should be brought up in the in the offseason and probably will after everything that happened yesterday. Let's go back on the field and talk about next week for the Saints. Now you're six and two. You're right up there with the Rams and the Eagles, but not an easy opponent. You head up to Buffalo where it's gonna be cold, it's gonna be windy, and a Buffalo Bills team that's gonna be angry. They lose to the Jets on the road on Thursday night football. And they're still a pretty good football team. And Buffalo has one of those kind of guys who troubles your quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, who's mobile. And he 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 ain't just mobile. He looks to run, and he's extremely effective at it. So in terms of being a pass rush team, the Saints, you know, Jameis Winston got outside a couple of times, and Ryan Fitzpatrick ran a couple. And they've seen Brett Hundley uh, from Green Bay, and they've seen you know um, Mitchell Trubisky from Chicago. And all those guys moved fairly well. But Tyrod Taylor – puts all these guys to shame when it comes to scrambling. He's going to be a problem for the Saints pass rush, and they've got to be extremely disciplined against this guy, and they got to maintain their rush lanes because he'll bust out and he'll, and he'll hurt you so much on the run. They traded away. Now, they've got Kelvin Benjamin now, but they have traded away Sammy Watkins. They've got Kelvin Benjamin as a receiver now, uh, and they've got Shady McCoy to run it. So the Saints are going to have to be really, again, on their P's and Q's in the run game, and they did a great job against Tampa in the run game after having some, some really big miscommunications against Green Bay and against Chicago. They cleaned all that up uh, yesterday, but they're going to have to keep it clean again in Buffalo because Buffalo runs the ball – more than any team in the league. So they're not going to abandon it just because you stop it for a quarter or for a quarter and a half or maybe even for a half. They're going to keep doing what they do because they've got a guy in Shady McCoy who can really break a game open or keep them in a game, and they'll just feed it to them and feed it to them and feed it to them. So the Saints, again, are going to have to figure out what to do against the run, against a team that loves to run it. But, you know, Tyrod Taylor is a guy who worries me and will worry any defense because of his mobility. Should be a good one, a true road test for the Saints this weekend against the Bills, and uh, you never know. Could be 7-2 and two when you come back. Let's see what happens. That'd be nice. Six yeah. in a row for the first time since 2011. That's a long time. Now, it's hard to win six games in a row in the NFL, but that's a long time to, to have a six-game winning streak. Yep, should be a good one on Sunday. J.D., I appreciate it. Safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. We'll be having fun in Buffalo. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap things up and hear from Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com as the Pelicans are on their longest road trip of the season and have started that road trip off 2-0. Stay with us.
school is back in. Your schedule is packed and things are getting busy, which means it's time to help support your immune system. Keep up with it all with Smoothie King's new Immune Builder Pumpkin Spice Smoothie, part of the Immune Builder lineup. We're blending your favorite fall flavor with organic pumpkin, iron and calcium, and more than 300% of your daily vitamin C. Get ready for fall with the new Immune Builder Pumpkin Spice Smoothie today, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. What is big? Big is a ballin', shot calling, gravity defiant offense, and a lockdown defense. Big is you and your posse getting loud and proud. Big is an insatiable appetite for winning. Come see the Pels post up against Blake Griffin in the Los Angeles Clippers Saturday, November 11th at the Smoothie King Center. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. All right, time to wrap things up here from Studio B, but we have to talk about some Pelicans basketball first as they went 2-0 over the weekend, beating the Mavericks on Friday night, as I mentioned, our first segment, and then beating the Bulls on Saturday night. Joining me now is Jim Eichenhofer from the road. It seems like, Jim, you've been on the road forever, and still you have two more games to go. Good to talk to you, my friend. Good to talk to you, too. Yeah, it's been busy the beginning part of the season. Um, we knew this going in, that eight of the first 12 were going to be on the road, so... It does feel like we've barely been home at all, but but fortunately, if you look a little bit down the road of the schedule after this trip, it's something like only one road game out of a two-week span, so things are going to turn in, in in favor of the Pelicans home-wise pretty soon. And they've been playing pretty decent on the road. I'm, I'm not going to say that those two games will be replayed on NBA TV Friday and Saturday, but nonetheless, they were two road wins, which uh, if you look at past teams, Jim, has been pretty rare. Yeah, that that was a, a a situation where you just look at the bottom line and you say, hey, those are two wins. They definitely weren't pretty, as you alluded to. Um, that was the first time that the Pelicans swept a road back-to-back since March 2015 when they beat Milwaukee and Brooklyn on consecutive nights. That actually kind of bodes well because that was the, the last time that the Pelicans made the playoffs in 2015. Wow. So, um and last season, they only won consecutive road games twice. Um, neither of those were back-to-backs, obviously. But, um, you know, that was, it's just not something that they've done a lot the last few years where you have a set of, a set of road games and you get wins in both of them or, or all of them. So that was definitely, you know, a good, a good sign that you got those wins. Let's talk positive and negatives from the road trip so far because I know – it's, it's hard to talk negative when you have two wins, but there were some flaws in both games. But I want to start with the positive, and I feel like Darius Miller has been one of them. In the last two games, three three-pointers made in both games coming into it. He only had just two. Uh, are we seeing a little bit more confidence in Darius Miller? I think so. I mean, I think the fact that he went from not playing a lot for a stretch recently to that he was on the floor in crunch time and overtime Saturday against Chicago just showed that he's been making shots. I mean, with, with how much the, they've struggled the last couple games in terms of perimeter shooting and just shooting overall, um, it, the fact that he was on the floor just t- tells you a lot of what you need to know about how, how much they needed somebody that could just come out, go out there and make open shots, which he came through, you know, big time with that against the Bulls. I'm not sure they would have won that game if, if it wasn't for the way he contributed in the second half and overtime. 
I don't want to be negative Nancy here because the Pelicans have won two on the road, but I don't want to pretend like everything's rainbow and lollipops after those two games. Um, in your eyes, what's one thing that stuck out in those two games as far as what they need to improve on the most if they want to win a couple more games on this road trip? I think the the shooting is definitely the biggest thing. They shot 40% in the game against Chicago. I can't remember what it was Friday. I want to say it might have even been in the high 30s or low 40s again against Dallas. Um, based on the teams that they have coming up, Indiana and Toronto, especially Indiana has been really good offensively and able to put up a, some good numbers. It, it just seems like if, if you don't play a, a significant amount better um, on the offensive end, you're not going to be able to hang in these two games against the Pacers and the Raptors. They're, they're just going to be able to, to uh, put distance between them themselves and you because they – they're, they've been good offensive teams. So that's probably the biggest thing is just that they were able to get away with not playing at a very good level at that end of the floor, but they're going to have to play better in order to get some some wins coming up against, based on some of the opponents that they have here. Does it at least feel a little different, Jim, that even though sometimes they don't play well, they're able to get grab wins? I mean, you're 5-5 five and five after 10 games. In some of these games, even though you would have played the exact same way last year, you wouldn't have been able to win even if it was – against a lesser opponent, are, do, you, do you sense a little different, I guess, mindset with this team that, hey, even for not playing well, they always feel like they're always in each game? Yeah, I think I see a difference in maybe confidence, and I think a little bit of that is just the additions of some of the guys like Jameer Nelson and Tony Allen. Um, we've we've just talked about in the past just how a lot of part of the reason why this team is struggled on the road of the last couple of years is when adversity strikes. It seems like they're a lot of times they're unable to change the momentum back in their favor. Um, but it seems like there's been a few situations already this year, especially on the road with, like you said, they're four and two, which is you'll take every time, no matter who the opponents are. Um, there's been a lot of situations already where they've been able to withstand a punch from the other team and ended up making more big plays at the end of the game than the, the home team did. Um, they scored, they were really bad, as we mentioned, offensively most of most or all of Saturday. But they scored 13 points in the overtime period in five in a, you know five minute sessions. So that was uh, that was definitely a good sign that they were able to to you know bounce back from not playing well throughout the whole night. And then when it, they needed it the most, they had some of their better stretch, one of their best stretches of the game. Jim, I look at the Western Conference standings. I know you're probably thinking it's a little too early to be looking at the Western Conference standings with only 10 games in. <laughs> but at the same time, there's a real big log jam there with teams at 6-3 and three or 6-4, and 5-5. Five and five. I think the leader right now, if I'm going to look at the standings, is the Houston Rockets, and they sit at 8-3. and three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like last year when you see Golden State, you know, start off the way they did, you had teams that were already starting to position themselves to be, you know, the one seed, the two seed. You really haven't seen that yet this year. You haven't seen a team that's really run away with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, to me, the most um, pertinent, relevant part of what's happened in the first two weeks of the season in terms of New Orleans from from our perspective is just that some of the teams that start off really well and people, you know, kind of jumped on as far as, you know, the Clippers and Memphis in particular – that started off say four and zero or five and one or five and two, they they've all lost a few games lately. So it seems like, you know, you said like we can't really look at the standings too much um, this early in the season, but it it does seem like 
things have changed a lot, even from a week or so ago. That it's one of those things where it's like you just you, you just gotta gotta um, calm down a little bit. With sometimes people make such huge reaction overreactions to the first five games of the season or eight games or whatever the case is. So, but it does seem like um, things have kind of kind of um, grouped together. There's like you said, there's not really a lot of separation between even. You know, the fourth place team is six and four. The thirteenth place team is four and six. So it's all grouped together. Really, nothing has been determined so far. But I think the good news for the Pelicans is that, like I said, some of the teams that I, you might have been worried about, like man, this team might be way better than people expected them to be, have kind of come back to to earth a little bit in those you know the last few days or whatever. Help me set the table, set the scene for. Tuesday and Thursday, Pacers on Tuesday, who are five and five, they've lost two in a row, and then the the Raptors lost to the Wizards. They're five and four. Um, what do the Pelicans have to do to either get two road wins, or heck, I'd even take a split and make it a three and one road trip. How do the Pelicans do that against two good teams in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I think everybody realistically should be happy and will be happy if they finish this road trip three and one. Something that you take every time. Um, the Pacers, uh. If they if they play if the Pacers play the way they have played in a lot of games this year, it's going to be a matter of of putting up enough points to keep up with them. Um, guys like Victor Oladipo is off to a really good start. Demontis Sabonis has been really good. Um, they've just gotten a bunch of contributions from people that weren't necessarily thought of as as guys that were going to make a huge impact this year. Um, on Toronto's side, I mean, it seems like the key almost always is is um, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry of keeping those guys in check. Um, but Toronto's bench is also a lot better than people expected, and a lot of guys that haven't proven themselves much over their short careers have been really good. So I think the bench might be one thing to really watch in Thursday's game against the Raptors is just can the can New Orleans' bench, you know, compete and, and um, you know, not get, get outscored by a big margin like has happened in some of the games. Um, because the Raptors' young guys have been have been really good so far. Should be two very good games Tuesday and Thursday, and hopefully the Pelicans can come back with a winning record on the road. That's Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com. Jim, I appreciate it as always. Enjoy the rest of the trip, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Daniel. All right, that will do it for today's show. Of course, we talked about a Saints win and also two Pelicans wins. Big thanks to John DeShazer and Jim Eikenhofer on Wednesday. We'll begin our preview of Bills and Saints from Buffalo, and we'll also get you ready for Pelicans and Raptors. Of course, it'll be a Wesley Wednesday, and hopefully we're recapping a Pelicans win over the Pacers. Until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.